0: Hi, and welcome to the GTech podcast, All Things Rugged. My name is Mark Reese, Senior Marketing Manager with GTech. How does an organization measure ROI, return on investment, when it comes to recouping revenue from a technology deployment? And how does total cost of ownership, TCO, fit into the equation? In this episode of All Things Rugged, I spoke with Jason Buck, an independent industry analyst who specializes in financial modeling and technical operations, with an emphasis on predicting how rugged technology helps or hurts the workforce over time. Jason constructs program-specific analytic models out of publicly available data and privileged information from a variety of computer vendors and OEMs. In this episode, we discuss TCO and ROI as it relates to a technology deployment in an enterprise organization. So whether you're in the middle of a deployment or just thinking about it, you're not going to want to miss this episode, and if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the channel. And you can also find some relevant links in the description below. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Jason, thanks so much for being here, and um, sure. I want to I want to start out with you know defining TCO, total cost of ownership and ROI, return on investment. I want to start defining that and getting a benchmark for what those two things mean.
1: Okay, um, what they mean. So total cost of ownership, TCO, ROI, obviously you hear those uh, all together, right next to each other all the time. I think probably the most important thing is to realize that they are different concepts. Uh, TCO and ROI are not synonyms, and you hear folks using it kind of interchangeably. What they usually mean is math Um, when they say, let's do some TCO, let's do some ROI. But if you really want to dig into what they they mean and and why we use them, it's really quite interesting. Um, Total cost of ownership and return on investment – we, we use those concepts together because they match up to the manager's problem, the, the, the decision-maker's problem at a company or in an agency. Uh, the problem that, that the decision-maker has or the manager has is that they're trying to get the, the most advantage out of their limited resources. And TCO ROI together is a really good way to – Calculate um, how much advantage and uh, how many resources it's going to take for different different options. So, uh, for instance, let's say total cost of ownership. That, that's just the the total amount of money that you're going to spend over the entire life of a purchasing decision. That's buying it up front. That's taking care of it over time. We all learned that lesson when we were 16 years old. You know, you, you you buy a car. You don't just buy it for the money you put down. You also buy all the oil changes. And all the maintenance that you're ever going to put into it—that's total cost of ownership. Return on investment—that is, what are you going to get out of it? What's it worth to have a, a particular thing over time? In this case, uh, you know, a, a computer over over time. Um, as I said, it's the um, the manager's question is, what is the? Uh, how do I get the most advantage out of my limited resources? Well, we use uh TCO total cost to figure out how many resources we're gonna need. And we use ROI to calculate how much advantage we're gonna get. Does that make sense?
0: It does, but isn't ROI a little ambiguous um when we're looking at you know return on investment? Like how does one quantify ROI? Well it, it doesn't
1: have to be ambiguous, but yes it is Often ambiguous. The ambiguous part is that there's a lot of intangibles in a return on investment. Um, you know, there's a I don't know, morale and and um, uh, safety and how you feel about it and how people feel when they get are given a, a good uh, piece of equipment versus getting something they say, boy, the company sure saved some money on this. Um, but it, you can't really quantify that stuff. On the other hand, things that you can't quantify tend to be very important to our decision making process. Sometimes it's the most important thing. Um, but ROI itself, you know, it can be extremely tangible. Um, let's say that you're uh, take using these devices um, and your job is to go door to door for a utility company uh, and you're working with, say, I don't know, um, uh, a solar transition. And you know that for every you know twenty door knocks you have uh, talking to customers that you know five percent of those, one of those will result in a a solar transition you know a, a somebody saying, hey, I'd like to put the money down to invest in solar for the top of my house or, or something like that Well, if we know that uh, one device has a limited battery or uh, you know, not, not very effective, uh, mobile internet, uh, and it limits the number of houses that you can get to, um, in, in a day you're going to hit 200 houses with that device. But if you put more money into a better device with a, a battery that lasts all day and internet that stays connected and you're going to hit 400 houses, well, that ROI is actually pretty straightforward. Your return will be roughly, roughly double. Now, the trick is um, whenever we do analytics, whether it's TCO or ROI, you, you make a prediction in your model. You, you write it all up and you all come to, to a, uh, a decision about what you expect. But then, very important, you have to go back and, and, and check your work. You got to you know, run, run a trial and put those two devices out and find out if your assumption about the battery, about the, the mobile is actually true. You know, was the bottleneck that we were running out of battery and that we weren't connected to the internet? And if it is, did it really result in twice as many door knocks? That's that's how you make ROA concrete. You You don't just stick in the, you know, kind of abstract world of the clouds. You make a prediction and then you go out and prove it
0: with a trial. Given a technology deployment can be Rather costly. And when a, an organization is looking at, you know, what is this ROI? What is this? How are we going to determine if our prediction, our hypothesis was correct? So, what's some ways that an organization can think about ROI? Because we can't prove it yet, right? We, we know what we want, but it can't be proving it. How do you really think about ROI in terms of the end result, knowing that, you know, what, we invested X. We received why this was a win?
1: Uh, well, I guess it, it comes down to figuring out what it is you're trying to achieve in the first place. You know, so uh, take, take a company's or an operation's um, KPIs. They're key performance indicators. You, know, you, you don't just buy devices, throw technology because, well, we should have some devices and technology. You, you choose devices and technology because you're trying to solve problems. You're trying to get over the bottlenecks that are keeping your, your workforce from, you know, serving the customer or serving the citizen. And so um, probably the most important thing is to set down markers. You know, what, what is it we're trying to achieve? And how does this technology, how do we think this technology will address those particular problems, overcome those particular problems? Then after we've made those assumptions, we test them. Uh, in our case, we design a field trial, for instance. We'll take a group of 10, maybe 15 or 20 people and a series of different devices. And over a period of time, uh, call it maybe a month, we'll introduce these devices to that group and they'll rotate. They'll they maybe use one device for a week and another device for another week. And we'll not just ask for their impressions, we'll also record their performance. Now, that's not a perfect science because obviously there's a lot of other things that can affect um, your performance in the field that have nothing to do with the device. But if you give, give it enough time, give it enough people so that we're not just taking anecdotes, you really do see trends start to develop, especially when we're looking at a very stark difference, you know, a, a consumer tablet, for instance, versus a purpose-built, you know, rugged, you know, mobile operations device um, you 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 quickly see the that workforce stratify you see the the people who have the more capable device don't get stopped and those who have the less capable device spend more time messing about with their technology
0: you clearly go into and consult with a lot of organizations what are some of the the common mistakes that you see organizations make that you're able to point out to them and they maybe have this oh i didn't think about that moment
1: Well, huh, that's interesting so um i guess there's two kinds of mistakes of course there's the kind of technical mistakes the things that we just don't know in advance and and man mark there are so many of those um I've been doing this a long time and I still come across all the time things that like oh man I wish I would have known that I wish I would have realized that had this interaction with this software or, or this process um but uh, there's besides the technical mistakes the the those kind of interactions you know I I think it's interesting few procurement people um are trained on how to make purchasing decisions isn't that interesting? It is. Um, I mean I, I mean I, I'm not I'm not saying they're not good at their jobs. Of course they're good at their jobs. It's just that their jobs often the skill is in uh, maneuvering, you know, through the the purchasing bureaucracy really is what they tend to be really good at. But in terms of like just how do you get the most out of a team? You know, how do you help the team decide that that doesn't seem to be the focus in a lot of of procurement organizations it's just it's making the purchase um again i'm not, I cast no aspersions on on purchasing folks um what is interesting is you know human beings we have this um this this aspect of our decision we we come to a decision with with an with impressions and then people tend to spend the rest of the time trying to prove those impressions. I mean, you know, obviously not me, I I don't do that. And I'm sure you don't either, but, you know, but by way of, for instance, everybody else in the world does do that. (laughs) (laughs) If uh, it's a terrible way to make a decision, to decide before you really know anything. And yet that really is how we all sort of do it. Um, The nice thing about ROI or TCO is that it is a process. And so um, what you really want to do is you want to have a lot of perspectives before you form your impression. You want a lot of people to bring their view, the IT view, the operations view, um, the HR view, the leadership view, um, because that lets you then chop up the decision into these little distinct aspects. And um, each piece can be evaluated and you get the benefit of everybody and their perspective. So long as the focus is on helping the person in the field, you know, helping the person who's closest to the customer or closest to the citizen, obviously, you know, government groups as well. as long as that's the shared common goal, um, the root benefit of analysis is actually that you're a more effective team. Yes, ROI helps you make good decisions, but you know, what really makes you help make a good decision. An effective team. ROI makes effective teams.
0: When you consult with an organization, this is really what you do. I'm assuming that you go in, you speak to them, you interview all the key players, all the key departments, you talk to all the decision makers, you find out what they need and what they want, and then you make a recommendation. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that
1: that is basically it. We we do have data of course. Uh we do have you know a bunch of intuition and experience of doing a lot of these things, but you know every single project is different. And you know it's it's true some of our our data is helpful, but it's you know r- rarely is it is it perfect. The the perfect data is the data that they have about their own operation. So we we try to draw that out. Um and it's yes, there are Certain patterns that you kind of recognize uh, amongst the the different decision makers, but every team is ultimately different, and they have their own dynamics. And so we try to fit into that to their into the team, and try to help to help them to maneuver away from just gut decisions. And, and don't get me wrong, Mark, I I got you know, nothing against gut decisions. You know, gut decisions tend to take advantage of intuition. Intuition relies on, you know, pattern matching and experience. All that's good. But better is to augment your intuition with a pretty hard look at their own operation and their own data. And then that's really what we're what we try to do. Um also we we try to keep the teams um If I, if you you were to ask me, you know, like what's going on in my head, if I put like a, uh, you know, a little mental tap on my, my thinking process while we're, we're working with different teams, I'm also trying to find the people who, um, who may have already, who have experience, who kind of know, who think they understand what's going to happen, but aren't really sharing it. Um, you kind of get to a spot where, you know, if the boss says, this is what I want, I want this, um other people on the team are less likely to offer a counter opinion. And in kind of the worst case, their opinion might be, well, man, that's not going to work. That's a terrible idea. But you guys all know what I think. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and let you all find out for yourselves that that this particular decision is a bad decision. Well, that's that's not a very effective team. Um, so, so, we try to draw out all of those different Perspectives in a way that is non-threatening, you know, that doesn't make it, you know, boss against employee, or experienced IT person uh, against, um, you know, salty dog operations person. Um, we we really want to pull out all the different perspectives so the team can use them, use those perspectives.
0: Oh, that makes total sense. I um, you know, one of the things I hear all the time is, you know, there's a lot of myths. Surrounding rugged and ironically uh, total cost of ownership, mm. and I hear all the time that rugged is more expensive than let's say a commercially available device. You know, we'll yeah. slap a uh, literally I had somebody tell me, you know, I, we we use um, iPads and then we put a uh, a you know a case on that iPad, and you know that's a rugged device, sure. and they don't take into account the total cost of ownership on that device. So can you can you talk a little bit about to to an organization that may be using the iPad with the you know the case on it, can you make the case for rugged over the commercially available device? Right, the case against the case. The case against the case. Yeah, exactly. Sure.
1: Okay. Um. Well, let's see. So, really, there's two aspects there. Let, let me kind of unpack that into into the two pieces. So, uh, first is kind of the 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 surface bit. You know, what is a what is a rugged device? Um. Okay. Well yes a a rugged device is a device that can can um, uh, defeat all those kinetic impacts you know dropping it smacking it you know hitting the door uh vibration um also they can defeat liquid you know getting water on it um that 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 is absolutely true and that's what they're talking about when they put a case on it however um a device that can only survive the kinetics, that can only survive the, the, the liquid or the, the, the fluid that gets thrown at it, um, that's, that is just a, a tiny part of a rugged device. You know, the thing that a rugged device can really do, it can survive the years. You know, it doesn't cost a lot of money to make a device rugged, any more than it costs a lot of money to, to put a case around a device. Um, if, if all you were trying to do was make it so you can toss the thing on the floor or pour a cup of water on it, that's cheap. Where the money comes in are all of the components, all the stuff inside. There's a concept called design life cycle. It has to do with um, how long a device is going to last. Now, I'm, I'm simplifying here, but essentially, if you look at the device and ask, how many hours are those components designed to, to continue to run? um it's a it's an aspect of mtbf you know mean time between failure um you know, how long are they are they supposed to last um you might have a a consumer tablet that's designed for 2000 hours you know roughly a a year worth of constant use well, that's fine if you know 2000 hours spread out a couple hours a night on a couch or something you know for leisure Um, That that can last you a long time. But 2,000 hours, um, a shift a day or two shifts a day, well, that's not going to last you very long. Um, A rugged device, on the other hand, might have two or three or who knows how many times uh, that number of hours. 6,000 hours, 8,000 hours, 10,000 hours, even 12,000 hours. Um, a, A rugged device is made to continue to work the same way every day with very little variance, so that anytime the person hits the button, turns a thing on, they can work the exact same way without thinking about the technology. That's what a rugged device is for. It's not, yeah, I mean, yes, you can drop it. Yeah, you can get water on it, but it's really that it behaves the exact same way without blue screening, without needing re-imaging, without having goofy software problems, without having the network cut out on you, um, without overheating, without all those things, um, so that you can focus on the customer. So you can focus on solving the problem at hand, whatever that problem is, not the technology. That's really where the rugged is. Um, so the case, yeah, the case will do, fix that first part. It won't fix the second part. In fact, it makes the second part worse. Um, if there's one thing that that makes a device, um, but it shortens a device's life cycle, it's heat. And you put a device into a sealed case. You know, you want to make sure it doesn't get any water on it, for instance. Well, you just push the heat right up, especially a device that wasn't designed for it in the first place. The more heat, the shorter life cycle, the sooner you buy it. Um, to just put a, a fine point on that, look at it from a cost perspective. Let's say you ask your question, is, isn't is it cheaper to just buy the device and, and a case? Well, let's say you're going to spend, you know, 700 bucks. On a, on a device that's only gonna last for a year. Well, you do that for five years, that's $3,500. I mean, look at your own company. You can get one heck of a device for $3,500 and use it for five years and get uh, all the advantages of better wireless and a screen you can see outside. And yeah, the the other rugged aspects like kinetic and fluid, but but most importantly, have your solid foundation your technology that that supports the person in the field the same way every day
0: you know it was it's funny that you mentioned that we were at a trade show and uh somebody came up to the booth and uh they were asking about the how rugged are your screens and a, as we were talking you know they deploy x amount of uh devices in the field and they were commercially available laptops sure. and you know i i asked them you know well how much is he spending on these and i i, I thought he was going to say you know six seven eight hundred bucks the way he did the way he described them and he was they were like two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars a piece and i'm like man you could get a semi-rugged computer <laughs> you know, he, when he when he start really looking at it, he just never considered that because he was so fixated on price. But yet, he was refreshing them every year because the amount of abuse that they took. I I, I always find yeah. that interesting the the thinking that goes into the purchase.
1: Yeah, and that and that is exactly true. It, it's easy for us to you said earlier about making um, these decisions are best made with teams. You know, if you're just going to make the decision yourself, eh, you just make it on price. You don't want to look at all the other aspects you just kind of you, you've made your decision hey i'm going to buy the i don't know this you know standard enterprise device and put it out in the field um it's it's a simple deal you, you make the you make you, you pull the numbers together you put them in a spreadsheet you present them and next week you got the devices okay well these days with the supply chain in four months you've got the devices but at least the decision process is really easy the trouble is even though you had a simple decision process you didn't spend a lot of time on your on your decision-making, your field operation spends enormous amounts of time overcoming, in this case, problems with their screens and dealing with days that they don't have a device. And that is extremely expensive. So it's kind of a false economy to try to save time in your decision-making process if you're going to give all that back times a, a hundred or a thousand by the, the amount of time that your workforce suffers from having a device that isn't made to solve their problems.
0: Earlier in the interview, uh, you talked about tangible and intangible um, factors. Hmm. Let's talk, let's shift that to vendors. So we talked about the equipment and now let's talk about vendors for a minute. You know, what are the tangible and intangible factors that an organization could should consider when choosing a technology vendor, because that has to play a role.
1: Well, yeah, of course it does. I mean, you when you buy a device, you also, you know, you're buying a, especially, you, know, you buy a partner. Um, now, that, that seems kind of glib, um, you know, if you're buying a commodity, you're not buying a partner. But you have to remember that the the decisions about these rugged devices, they're not normal IT decisions. Um, this isn't, you know, what, what, a uh, $600 device should we put on the admin's desk downstairs? That's kind of a commodity. Um, these aren't it decisions. These are strategic decisions and they're strategic because usually the people who get these purpose-built devices, they're the most essential part of the company or of the agency. They're the ones who take the requests for service. Um, they're the ones who generate the revenue. They're the ones who are closest to the customer. Um, they there. If you are making a decision to put money into technology here, it is because you're trying to get some sort of strategic advantage um, either against your competition or for your citizens or for your community. And um, so in that case, yes, the vendor really matters uh you know the the big um, let's see the big tangible difference I'd say comes down to the direct support that we get now um <laughs> this has a bigger effect if you have a device that needs a lot of support. Now, we see folks buying uh those commercial um tablets, but you know they get a good price on them, and now they're gonna be supported by the Verizon store. Or something. Um, that's that's not a very uh, a, a very scalable um, uh, support strategy. Um, every time you have a problem, hey, no problem. Take it to the to the Verizon store. You tell the the workforce take a number, sit there for an hour and a half. Try not to do it at lunch. You might sit there for two and a half hours, and uh, see if you can't get somebody to to work on this device or maybe swap it out not not great um or you can have a a a big company um, that you you call the 800 number but because rugged tends to be a very small part of a lot of large companies including large computer companies you'll talk to somebody or maybe three or four people who have never seen a rugged device Um, there's a, a company that has um a very extensive field uh service group um you know they'll you oh I have a problem next day someone shows up at the office to fix this computer well that person who shows up at the office to fix this computer might fix or or deal with hundreds of devices in a year and none of those so far this year have been a rugged device it's the first one they've ever seen um, and so that's that's a different kind of limitation um, then there are you know advanced you guys have the um, uh, your Tech Connect. Um system, frankly is actually really impressive, you know a uh, GTac uh, I' when I first saw that, I was really impressed not just by the quality of the data. I mean we spent a lot of time getting data and we spent a lot of time talking to companies about the data that they need and your particular know, support ecosystem is so detailed. Um, you know the, these are all the devices that you have, this is the whatever 90 whatever some percent that are all you know have had no event no issue no no problem here are the the few issues that you've had and here's how they were resolved and this is this is what has been put into them or taken out of them or i mean very very detailed stuff um and i i I know from you know experience talking to your customers that they really appreciate that that's 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 very important if you're making the strategic decision there's another kind of in the i guess you call it intangible um a major difference in how the how these companies approach their markets. Some companies manufacture their own devices. There's a few that do that, and then many more companies um, simply, you know, purchase and resell somebody else's device. You know, they're they're in the business of selling stickers. They put their logo on it, and and they're not they don't really manufacture it their their connection to it is you know marketing and limited support and so that's a much more intangible thing but there are times when you really need to have you know some close level of support on a device to resolve some particular complication and who the the, the group you need to talk to are the engineers you know the designers the the people in the manufacturing and that's when you find out. Oh wait, I bought a sticker. Um, I can't get to the people who designed it. I can't get to the people who manufactured it. And that's a that's a whole other level. Um, and I, it is intangible because the the companies don't tend to lead with that. You know, they don't they don't say, Oh hey, by the way, you're you're actually buying a computer from a company you've never heard of. Um, they right. They let you find that out for yourself later.
0: I think that's one of the things that differentiates GTEC from its competition, and that is we manufacture our own equipment. And and I think that's that that needs to be taken into consideration when you're you know looking at vendors and looking at purchasing you know, or deploying a variety of devices into the field, and you know the sales and support aspect of you know what's your time worth. Right. When, when, you know, when you can get parts delivered immediately, when you can just order parts, when you can speak to somebody, you know, you know I, all that plays and plays a key role. And I think that's often overlooked or the conversations that I have have been overlooked on the same token. When we talk to customers, you know, when you find out, well, why did you decide to purchase a tech or why did you decide to go um, a, a, another route? you kind of find out that, oh, I didn't know that piece or, you know, and that's a big piece that you just touched on. That's a, I think that's really important. It's something that really should be considered when choosing a vendor.
1: Yeah. And it's something, it's something that the, um, something that we noticed too, just, we, 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 we talked to a whole range of different, you know, people with different ranges of experience in making these kinds of decisions about these devices. And the, People who've been doing this for 15 years, of course, they all know that. They're they're very familiar with with all of this stuff. Uh, uh, everything from the design life cycles to the fact that this company doesn't make their own own devices, um, or what kind of support they're likely to get. Uh, but then there's another group of folks who just they just got this project and they have to learn all of those lessons. And that's kind of the risky piece. The so what you really want to do, yeah, it's it's nice to to. You know, learn from your mistakes. It's way nicer to learn from other people's mistakes. So one of the reasons why you wanna do your TCO, you wanna do your ROI is because part of the, the process involves research, involves pulling the data. And that's when you discover, oh, I need to take into account how long this device lasts. Or, oh, I need to take into account whether or not I can get good solid support data for when I need to support these devices. Or oh, that's what it costs to uh, mount a device inside of a of a vehicle. I thought it was a couple hundred dollars. That's more expensive than I was expecting. But for safety, I see why we spend that money. All of that knowledge is is necessary for making the best decision. Now I, I don't I never know in advance which way the decision is going to come out. But I do know that you'll get a better decision if you have more people with more perspectives making that decision based on data that's relevant, data that is otherwise hidden, that they'll wish they'd found out before they made their purchase.
0: And that's why it really makes sense to bring somebody like you in as an independent you know, resource to kind of help guide people to the right decision for them. I think that is that, that that's key, you know, speaking of which, you know, you have a lot of different departments, multiple departments that could be involved in that decision making process. And they each have specific concerns, wants, needs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, and I'm gonna be very general here, but you know, finance is looking to get the solution at the lowest possible cost. IT wants assurances that whatever solution is deployed is secure and is not going to endanger their network. And you know, operations wants to ensure everybody that's gonna be uh, using these devices has improved productivity and efficiency. So how do you go about, you know, looking at TCO and ROI, knowing that each department has um, a different need or a different concern?
1: Well, as like I said, you pull everybody together, of course. Yeah, that's, that's true. You, you pull a, a, a diverse team. Um, you don't want to just make your, your team, I'm sorry, your uh, decision uh, based on, you know, what the IT guys think or the finance guys think. You, you got to pull them all together. Um but the um, uh, process of doing that um is actually fairly straightforward. um usually everybody knows that there's a you know a refresh coming up or a new project coming up, and there's usually one or two or three devices that are are clearly in contention uh the first step is you know summarizing what those different devices, what the trade-offs are between those different devices. And a mistake that we often see is that the trade-offs are just about the technology. Oh, it's got this CPU, it's got this RAM, it's got this much storage. Well, that doesn't really tell you very much. Um, Much better is to match up the, the operations with the technology. So for instance, we'll meet with different people in the uh, operation, the people who actually are going to use these devices, and we'll map out their process. We'll make a visual map of well, this is how I know to start work, and this is my first decision, and here's where I get the the information I need for that decision, and here's how I get to the location to do the work, and so on and so forth. They can be fairly 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 involved. And then we map up each of those two or three different options against that process. This device is good at getting over these problems. This device has trouble with this problem. Um, And once everybody from these different groups um, can see, you know, keeping the focus on the person in the field, solving their problem, can see, hey, this is the money we're going to spend. And here's the extra money we're going to spend if we want to help the person in the field. Overcome these obstacles, Um, then it's a lot easier for everybody to you know, manage this kind of unifying effort to, to pull together the data that they need and to, to, to get behind a decision. Um, but it, but the, the key really is lots of different perspectives focused on a few alternatives and matching those alternatives up against the actual operation. And to go back to something we said earlier, the reason has to be that you know, segmented is it then we can go run a field trial and prove out our assumptions. Are these really the trade-offs for this process? And did we improve the process? Were we able to get over the obstacles?
0: Jason, this has been great. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome. Good luck, Mark. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast. And if you would like more information about any of our speakers or GTEC solutions, you can find relevant links below in the description. I'm Mark Reese, Senior Marketing Manager with GTEC, and remember, together we solve.